0: As we begin this series of conversations on the paths and practices that impact our experience of aliveness, I thought we'd start with a conversation I had with my dear friend and fellow singer-songwriter, Nick Flora, where he interviews me about my journey the last few years. Well, Nick... It is so good to have you here today for my very first full-length podcast interview. Um, This seems very self-centered in a way, but I'm having you interview (laughs) me simply because I feel like if I'm going to launch this whole podcast series on pursuit of aliveness, it might be appropriate for me to share why I care about it, why it matters to me and what my experience has been. But you and I have been through so much together the last few years, very parallel journeys. And um, you've seen me at my worst and getting better. <laughs> I don't know if I've uh, seen the-
1: you at your worst, but I, I, we've both seen each other in some rough times. And I feel like that a no true friendship is really tested until you, you know, have those moments shared. I, and what's I knew our friendship was the real deal when we would share those moments. And I, I, I don't know, there was just this feeling of like, I have I'm rooting for you even more now. Like I'm, I'm even more invested. You know, like when you can really be vulnerable and and cry on somebody's couch, and or the next day you get a text from or whatever, and you're just like, I'm so on your team. Like I love, I love you so much. We're you're so great. Thank you. You know, they see your vulnerability as strength instead of like, Ugh, I'm kind of scared off now because. They, they said a whole lot of stuff on my couch last night, you know, <laughs> right. it's so much nicer to that's how, you know, it's the real stuff.
0: Yes. You don't have to walk away scared. Like, oh, I overshared or anything. I think like I that. scared this
1: person away. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: So we met um, back in I think 2013 maybe mm-hmm. yeah. um, at UTR Festival. Um, on yeah, escape rate, to a, the a lake. Escape to the lake. And neither one of us had any idea what was what we were heading into. Um, within a few years at that time, you know, we were both uh, well, we still are traveling, touring musicians, mm-hmm. and you came to North Carolina where I lived and did some house concerts, and were a huge hit in our household. So fun, yeah. (laughs) And then I moved to Nashville in the middle of my troubled era and um, found out that you were going through a very similar thing. So I was going through divorce, and you were going through divorce.
1: Yeah. It's really interesting because um, I've thought about this a lot over the years because I love our relationship arc so much because I met you and immediately liked you. And was just like, and then we connected. You were just this person that I was like, I like your music. I like her as a person. And then coming out and playing house shows and hanging out with your kids. I was like, I love this family. This is so great. And it wasn't, an, it, you know, a lot of people think you meet somebody and they become best friends and then that's the end of the life. But a lot of times you meet people and then it isn't until a few years later that, you know, things start to kind of really amp up as far as our, your relationship. And I think it took... Our journeys, yeah, you know, merging at that exact time for us to be like, I feel like there's you and one or two other people during that time of my separation and divorce that either had been through it or understood and were just. Like, I'm here for you, whatever you need. And you you were one of those people in like, I remember going on walks with you and just having these open dialogues that were just so incredibly important and processing things together. And um, it really was this thing, cause you moved to Nashville and I didn't see you for a full year, which often happens Right. Um, a lot of times musicians we who live in Nashville don't see each other unless they're booked at the same gig in like Nebraska or something (laughs) like, Oh, we live six miles from each other, but I have to travel, you know, a thousand to see you happens more often than not. And so that would happen with us. And I, it it wasn't until you had a birthday party Mm -hmm. um, and we're like, Oh, by the way, I'm having this birthday party for myself. And (laughs) this is what I'm going through just so you're not freaked out and show up and are like, you know, what's going on? There's a weird air here. <laughs> and then I got to share with you for the first time, I think, really saying it out loud to somebody, even via text, like, oh, I'm also going through that, right. which made it more real for me, which was a vulnerable moment because a lot of my experience was image conscious. I want to make sure that everybody thinks that we're, everything's a okay, that we were doing great. Um, that was always the fear that people would look at me as an adult or in a relationship and say, say like, Oh, I don't think uh, things are going well over there, and because I, I was always worried that I wasn't a good enough, you know, husband, father, musician, whatever. And so, just to say that out loud to you, and, that, and that's where uh. I was, where I'm going with this, like, to have a person that you're like, I'm just gonna give you everything, and especially in a, in a moment where I was fearing being quote too much, right? Um, you were just like, give me more. What else you got? And uh, and I got to say that back to you, and it was just this really beautiful. Um, merging a friendship.
0: It's crucial. And I mean, I think that has everything to do with in my life, with my sense of aliveness, you know, among the moments when I'm most alive, it's when I am free to be my authentic, full self with another person. And um and interesting, you know, you bring up that the birthday party is the first time we saw each other. And what was going on then was, even though I didn't have nearly as much awareness around the way i am wired the way i operate what how to walk through grief or any of that it was definitely fumbling in the dark but as my birthday approached that year and my separation was so new all i knew in my heart was i have to have a good day <laughs> i have to create a day of joy for myself whatever joy means in that context so i went to a movie with my sister and my mom you know we went out to lunch maybe and um, and then I threw a big party. I didn't even tell anybody, I think except you, um, really, that it was my birthday. I just said, hey, I'm having a party. And all these people, like I invited pretty much everybody I knew at that time in Nashville, filled up the backyard, decorated. Mm-hmm. You came and DJed, dance party in the basement. So fun. And I, I just knew my body and my mind needed that.
1: That was, that was really, I don't think I've ever even told you this, so why not do it on a podcast? Sure. Um, but <laughs> I I remember watching you that night and your sister and Taylor Linhart was yes. there. Like, I remember like, this, I remember, I have a distinct memory of you three never left the dance floor, <laughs> but like, and, and I knew that they knew more about what was going on with you than even I did. Yeah. And there was a sense of like, you were dancing, like you had some stuff to shed. Oh yeah. Like you were, you were really processing while you were, you know, like dancing and, And we had never really done big dance parties before. Like we have now since we've we've made this happen on the regular. (laughs) And and, and and then there was also something with your sister and and with Taylor, who is also your sister in another form. But it was really beautiful to watch them, watch you guys support each other, watch them support you in that moment without any conversation taking place. And I could sense that. And it was so incredibly emotional. I'll never forget it for the rest of my life. I know exactly what songs were playing. Like I have, I saved that playlist on, on my Spotify. Cause there was something really magical happening and amazing happening there and interpersonal. And I understand it now. Like Dance has always been this thing that I did to kind of like keep a party going, keep a party going. I've always been like the, the kind of the peacekeeper distract, like let's, I'll just be the light and fun guy. Yes. And, and so that, which is how I got into playing music and DJing and stuff. And, but that night specifically was like, Oh this is, he, this is healing, this is cathartic and you can be there for your people. You can, and dancing with them is, you know, I think singing and dancing are two of the most vulnerable acts you can do, mm. especially in front of people. And um, just to be able to do that, watch you do that in front of your people was incredibly uh, moving and profound.
0: Wow, that's so beautiful to hear that. I, yeah, I've never heard you talk about that from your perspective. Th-
1: I'm not kidding. I think about it every two months. I'll just like... Uh, and it makes me emotional because I think there's something beautiful about showing up for your people. Yes. Even, even if there's nothing to say, even if you, you can't think of the right words, just show up and dance, show yeah. up and sit with them, show up and be. Um. And, and that is exactly what your people did for you that night. Oh
0: my gosh. And every moment since like in so many ways, <laughs> I, I did an interview with um, Monica Snyder last week. Um, she's a friend who's got a chronic illness and her daughters have the same chronic illness And um, But we were talking about the currency of love and, you know, all the different ways there are to show up for people. And, you know, giving financially in a lot of cases is the appropriate way to give. Um, But there are so many other ways. And, you know, that summer, that same summer, my sister had to go to or she got to go to Italy for several months. And she knew this was my first few months without a husband, you know. And she showed up at my house before she left town with a stack of cards in envelopes. And each one had a different date, a Wednesday date on it. Mm -hmm. And every Wednesday I got to open one of these cards and she had pre-written poems by hand and a little note of encouragement or funny thought or whatever. And those notes were everything to me that summer. They were so wow. sustaining and life, life-giving. life And then, you know, at that birthday party, I didn't know Taylor was coming. She flew into town just to surprise me for my birthday and jumped out of the back of the van. And it was-
1: Oh, I didn't know that. That's amazing.
0: great.
1: That's a very oh. Taylor-Linhardt thing to do.
0: It sure is.
1: <laughs> she's a fellow. In, she's. A, I'm an Enneagram 2. She's an Enneagram uh-huh. 2. So she's the only Enneagram 2 friend I have. So I'm always like- Really? Good at, yeah.
0: Oh, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I'm, oh. all my friends are nines- Fives and fours.
0: That makes sense. But four, fives, and nines mm. are the withdrawing types. I'm one. And the twos come after us a little bit, you know, yeah. which is uh, so needed. I feel so lucky to have such beautiful twos in my life.
1: I'll take that as a compliment. You should. <laughs> Do it. Well, le- leading into that time, mm. or I-, I should ask, like leading up to that time. So that's the summer of 2017, yep. correct? Yep that's in in your birthday's in August, right? right? That's right. Okay. So leading up to that, can you, can you kind of talk about what, um, that experience was for you leaving North Carolina, coming into this new place, what your, what you thought it was going to be, what it ended up being all of that.
0: So there was this beautiful moment in our married family life, um, end of 2010 beginning of 2011 where we had this incredible opportunity to go and live in Costa Rica for several months and that was just like the height of joy for for the kids and us and um, following that though there were issues that my husband was experiencing just as an individual and then uh, relationally things we were experiencing uh, and that were filling my veins with fear, you know, just everything suddenly that had always felt very certain and predictable and to, in a good way, like I can count on this and I can count on this, um, we falling away. Uh, and that was both intangible aspects of who we were and also tangible things, finance, finances and future job security, all kinds of things. So, um, sense of control was leaving. And I realized that now so much about myself, I had so much growth growing to do in self awareness. And there were ways in which my idealism was making things worse, because I couldn't see clearly what was happening in front of me. Um, In other words, like I this is This is an area in which I've had to grow, being able to recognize when things aren't as ideal as they used to be, instead of stubbornly Mm. clinging to this image in my head. No, it's great. It's great. Everything's fine, Um, which is a line in Velveteen that's very meaningful to me, shadow and light. I I learned to let them find me because I didn't like the shadow before. Um, Now I understand it's pretty critical to our sense of aliveness, you know, to allow all of it. So anyway, circumstances were deteriorating. In 2015, um, my then-husband lost his job out in North Carolina and moved to Nashville to take a job, and we thought he'd be able to commute, but that wasn't happening, and So early 2016, I, so that whole year I was alone with the kids.
1: So he was in Nashville. You were in North Carolina with five kids. Yes.
0: And three different schools, all schools, like 20 minutes apart. Um, Wow. And of course my work is remote. Everything felt incredibly overwhelming that year. Now, thank God. Um Taylor Linhart needed a place to live that year. and it you know, it was really a hard year, but the presence of such a dear friend, bringing some levity and love and light into our home was everything and was so sustaining. Um, but early that next year, I realized the only chance at saving our finances and our marriage would be for us to sell everything and move to Nashville. My kids had never lived anywhere else, and mm-hmm. our neighborhood you know, our neighborhood in Raleigh it was like it was a freaking idyllic. Truman show, it
1: was amazing, <laughs> it's
0: amazing, and um, just so beautiful. And all the trees, and you know, I love trees, mm-hmm. and so leaving that place was uh incredibly painful for all of us, but also I was raised moving, I was raised with a sense of. Ed- adventure, you know, like, okay, how can we look at this? How can we frame this? So it feels fun, you know? And, and I also, you know, it was hard to give up that house that we loved, but what is a house compared to saving your family, saving your marriage?
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: quite frankly, with all the other things going on, the house felt like it was owning me more than I owned the house. Mm. I remember
1: uh, coming out there and playing the last house show there.
0: Yeah.
1: And it was also a graduation party for your oldest. Yes. And and I remember like, because what's what's crazy was this is, so this is 2016, you said? That was 2016. Mm -hmm. And, And three years before, I remember coming out after we had met and coming in and you were very like, and don't take this the wrong way, but you were very like, housewife here is my house. (laughs) It's lovely to see you. Hello. He's here are my children. It was very, everything put together. And then this time coming out and we had, we had been friends long enough at this point, but it was very, Oh, I'm so glad you're here. Yes. I'm stressed. Here's what's going on. It was vulnerability. It was honesty. And you weren't afraid to ask for things. There was just such a shift in, Mm. I, I could, I could tell that I couldn't tell that if, if this stuff was going on before or not, but you were being honest and open about that. And I was incredibly, it it made me feel at ease if -hmm. anything, because I was like, Oh, no matter what happens here, like, I feel like I'm going to get, get an honest and authentic uh, experience. And your kids were a little bit more like that too. I, I felt like they were a little bit more, you know, vocal and verbal about, being frustrated and annoyed at certain things, you know, I I don't know. There's just once, once parents start opening up about that and being true and authentic and like when something sucks, say it sucks. When something is, you know, hard, don't be afraid to say it's hard just to keep a smiling face on for your kids. Like they, they need to express those things as well. And um, I feel like you, I really felt this shift in you. Hmm open emotionally and everything. And so
0: that's so cool. I mean, and this is the gift of suffering, right? One of the gifts of suffering is that you lose the ability to give to Fs about appearances because you have no energy for it. Mm -hmm. It's like, you can't anymore pretend or try to be perfect or try. And that month that you came for that graduation show, I mean, that was June. We were literally moving out of our house the wheat next week. So this was our last hurrah. That move, like renovating the house to get it to sell or like updating the house, cleaning it out, repainting almost every wall, um, packing up. This was a big house we had lived in for 11 years. And it was pretty much, it was me and Taylor and some neighbors who were doing all of it and preparing for a graduation party at the same time.
1: Yeah, there's a lot.
0: Selling stuff. It was crazy, but you know what? Like, this is beautiful to to revisit because this is a perfect that was a perfect moment that exemplifies how we are we do have the capacity to hold all these emotions at one time. I was in so much pain and so much fear and we had the time of our lives that week. Like we had all these family members come in town, we hung out on the back deck while the flowers were blooming had coffee. The kids slept outside in Eno's. You were there. We had an amazing Mm -hmm. dance party. There's just so much joy and love, even in the midst of my mostly hidden anguish, you know, that's possible. And that's, Mm -hmm. I, for me, crucial to, to allow both.
1: Now coming into Nashville right after that, the uh, moving here, um, what was your sort of overall like hopes and um, versus the reality of, of the situation? What, what were those two opposed or I don't know, like what, what was that experience like?
0: it was, I was so optimistic and so excited to, um, once we, you know, drove away from Raleigh, I was like, okay, let's do this. Let's dig in. Let's go. We've never lived in like an urban kind of setting. This is more urban here where we are. And we were living in a tiny house compared to our giant house. And I was like, kids, this is so fun. This is a new adventure. And like, let's get to know Nashville. And um, so I was excited and it didn't turn out that way <laughs> it didn't turn out to be what i thought i thought it was going to save us and it it didn't i had always been raised with this sentence in my head divorce is not an option divorce is not an option
1: yeah me on, too
0: yeah and on top of that like i genuinely loved my loved my husband i didn't want to not be with him and so um it was as i started to become aware we were not both on the dance floor anymore it mm was it was just anguish it was very um I felt abandoned and alone terrified like I the idea of being a single parent was come had never crossed my mind that was something other people have to deal with the idea of being buried alone at the end of my life not being Mm. buried with this person for some it was petrifying the idea of losing our traditions with my in-laws who are wonderful like all I just felt like I was losing everything, not having financial security, terrifying. My music had always been something that like, if I made money from it, great. If I don't, great. (laughs) I felt like I'd lost so much. And my personality, um, just as a nine on the Enneagram, like if you're familiar with that, I mean, I know you are, but listeners, like disconnection is the worst fear, feeling Discarded, mm-hmm. loss of connection, conflict, all of those things are literally my worst fears. So, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty bad. And then, you know, it just got worse. And then finally, 2017 spring um, is when I knew that it was done and it was out of my hands. And um, then I just, then I saw you again. <laughs> we tried another dance party.
1: <laughs> I know. At my well, what, what's interesting about that, you know, you hear. You've heard it said, I'm sure that, you know, people, I hope all your, say like, I hope all your biggest, wildest dreams come true so you can see that they won't like save you. And then in the other way, like, the, I, not that I hope all your biggest fears come true, but like a lot of times when your fears come true, the gift is you see that you can survive them. It's not the death that you thought it was going to be. Yeah. So, you know, what happens when your marriage dies or your life as you know it, crumbles and you're still alive you know right. what hap- what happens then like that i went through the same thing around the same time as you and it was just like okay the worst things that i like my biggest fears in life which we'll talk about on my episode but like uh, happened i i had words said to me by people that i cared about that i never would have imagined coming out of their mouths mm. and i didn't it didn't kill me i'm still here which in some ways you can see that as hell like oh now now i just have to be alive knowing that (laughs) i'm not going to see these people every day or or this isn't everything's so different um but i'm curious about how that was for you in those first few months going forward being separated being in a house which i'm imagining wasn't you tell me but it wasn't that different from living in i mean you had already lived alone with kids so what was the difference between those two things
0: it was um, definitely, it's definitely worse. You know, they say this, like it's worse to be lonely in a crowd than to be lonely. alone. So it's worse to be alone in a marriage than alone, alone. So when, when I was in, in the house in Nashville and we were both still bodily there, that was misery when, mm-hmm. when I felt alone but in the same space with this on the couch with this person.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: And um, that was excruciating all the time. Um, And then uh, when he moved out and it was the kids and me, it felt strange, definitely felt strange because it, there was no pretense of like, he's coming back. You know, there was no, when, when I was alone in Raleigh, it was like, we were apart physically, but emotionally I still had him there i'm a person yeah. who doesn't need to be with a partner all the time physically i love my independence and my freedom and my space as long as i feel secure in the connection but when to have him physically absent and the emotional connection is now gone fortunately i had a young younger child who was super cuddly and kind of just wanted to you know sleep with me for uh, for a while and so that you know i don't know say what you will call it unhealthy. It was awesome and helpful for both of us. Yeah. um,
1: You both clearly needed that. And that's really sweet.
0: Yeah. So we always think we can't survive things um, because we can't, I just heard Kyle cease say this on a podcast, how we cling to what we have because we can't, we can only, that's all we know. That's all we have any kind of visual for is what we've already experienced and what's yet to come to us we we can't see it and so we don't want to relinquish but um it, yeah the whole thing that you said about dying you know you think you're going to literally die and there were days when i couldn't get out of bed or i couldn't get out of the mm-hmm. bath. i mean I, I would just curl up in a fetal position i'm dying i'm dying but at the same time i think um for me my Ongoing sense of connection to something beyond myself, um, which has shifted form, you know, through in the last few years. But my sense of being connected to capital L love, something that loves me. It it was um, sustaining. And I wrote Velveteen from that space, that song Velveteen, um, coming alive feels a lot like dying. And because of that connection that I felt and, and the practice of that was many, many mornings, it was simply getting up and reading some poems by Mary Oliver. That was it. It's not, I'm not talking about going to church and taking communion or whatever, like that's fine, but that's not what it was for me in that time. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was able somehow to feel again, both and feel like I'm dying and I'm coming alive in a way I never have before. And Like, I don't, you know, there are many people who are like, I don't understand. Tell me more. And I'm like, I don't really still have better language for that, you know, than that. Like, I felt very alone and very safe, which is a lyric in Western Shoreline. I've never felt so Mm -hmm. alone or so safe. Both. I felt like I was dying and expanding all at once. And I still do a lot of days. Today was a hard day. I was sharing with you, you know, about a decision I had to make this morning, and I was crying and so proud of myself at the same time.
1: I think we have that uh, this idea of what of the way things are going to be, based on sometimes nothing, sometimes based on what just what we imagine we're going to be like in certain scenarios. And I don't think that we're quite maybe we don't prepare kids enough for this. I don't know what it was. Maybe it's our generation. Who knows? It's for other people to 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 talk about, but. That What you just said is so spot on that you will have moments of mourning and moments of joy and pride, like just moments, just pure, like being proud of yourself for, for standing up for yourself or whatever it might be. And sometimes those moments happen simultaneously. Sometimes they're absolutely it's by in, in the morning I'm chipper and great. And by the afternoon I'm a wreck. And then by evening, I'm back, I'm back to being great. (laughs) And you can feel like you're an absolute mess, but that is, I feel like that's what actual growth is. Growth isn't this upward climb. That's a constant, um, struggle, you know, it's, it's a constant walk upwards, um, like that thing on the price is right that's like that yodeler that goes up the hill it's not that it's uh, that's what i have in my mind it's it's this, like it's this p- pilot in the air you know who's just going up and down and like the can't keep the plane upright it's just it's just a squiggly map and i feel like once we normalize that more and more people will be prepared to be like okay i'm doing it okay because it's supposed to feel like a mess yeah um Because it is, there's so many emotions that can coexist that we were never taught could coexist.
0: Right, right. And it is, you know, all of our different backgrounds and whatever, nurture nature, I don't know which, have led us to feel more at ease with some emotions than others. Mm -hmm. And um, for me, interestingly, part of, as I said earlier, part of coming alive has required, has involved me not labeling sadness or anger as bad, you know, to allowing those feelings that are labeled as negative has actually been a positive for me. And Mm -hmm. so I also have this way of when I feel sad, I have to, or angry, those are both hard for me, especially anger. I try to um, lately practice a conscious uh, statement within my mind, like, I'm happy, I'm sad. Like I'm sad, but I'm also, I can be like in this meta way, happy that I'm sad because it's an indicator that I am a functioning full spectrum human being, you know? (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Look at you go exercising all of your emotions. Yeah. It's, it's, And I feel like so many times it's easy, especially if you come from a a repressed background Mm -hmm. or you feel like especially the gender roles make you feel like you have to be a certain way. If you're image conscious, you feel like you have to be a certain way. People can't see me. And meaning you can't even see yourself in a certain way. Like if you can't even cry behind closed doors or in a bathroom in the mirror, then there's there really are some issues there that um, or some emotions there that you're going to have issues with, where you're not, you're not going to feel comfortable with, but that is one, right. it's not even, it's not even being Pollyanna about it. That's an amazing way of looking at it when you're feeling down or sad, or you're mourning something be like, look at me go exercising my emotions. Like, Look, I have the full being emotionally available or being emotionally intelligent is 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 understanding your full range of emotions. It's Mm -hmm. not just highs all the time, which I think we we think it is. And I was certainly raised in the church to think that like if you have Jesus, it's highs all the time. You can't be you can't be down here in the dumps because Jesus gives you joy. Right. And I feel like that's the kind of Americanized version of it. Uh, Mm -hmm. A lot of other faiths have different ways to look at it that are really fascinating but I I feel like that's healthy. It's healthy. And it it does, it's counterintuitive. It doesn't feel like it's supposed to be healthy to be, to be down for periods of time and, but still feel periods of joy within that downness.
0: Yeah. It's, I, I think the word, a word that I love the last few months is just the word allow. It's not like I'm going to go out and try to be sad or try to be angry. You know, I'm not going to like create a life that fuels uh, depression, you know, on purpose. Turn on a
1: Morrissey record and just be <laughs> well, sad.
0: Sometimes I do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, like, you know, it, it's not um, choosing unhealth, basically. It's allowing whatever needs to, because it's it's also acknowledging and be, and understanding that the only way for it to move on is for it to move through. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't move, I don't truly move on from anger if I if I disallow it in the first place, Mm -hmm. because it just gets trapped in my body. You know, it's in there. I just pretending it's not, and then it leaks out in all kinds of damaging ways.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh man, there's so much we can unpack right there. But I'm curious (laughs) going forward, yeah. So you're you're now in this relationship with yourself Mm -hmm. by by proxy, which is as we've talked about many times is the only real relationship you're going to have for your whole life. So you might as well get real good and comfy <laughs> with it. Um, and how does that manifest? How does, how do you sit with that? How does, what are the things and the tools that sort of you started picking up to explore that new relationship with Krista?
0: Oh, I love that question. And I do feel like we could talk even about just that for a day, but yeah, um, yeah, through, through some trial and error and making some other terrible choices that caused me pain after uh, the divorce, um, I realized that I was outsourcing things that aren't anybody else's job. And, That's huge. and yeah, and, and, um, namely, you know, um, my sense of worth. You know, my sense of value, my sense of being a lovable person whose presence matters, um, my sense of being good at what I do, and um, my sense of being able to make sound decisions and to take care of my kids, all of these things that I had kind of thought, oh, I don't have that. I need other people to discover that in me, to mm-hmm. produce me, to uh, to believe in me for me which is a not fair to other people, because that's a lot of (laughs) pressure you're putting on people in your life to do. But also, what I've learned, what I learned is that they can do all those things, it's never going to be satisfying. It's never going to do what I'm thinking it's going to do. It's not going to fill that hole, because that hole is really meant for you, yourself to stand in. And take mm-hmm. up the space. Basically, I learned that I was kind of like this um, deflated. You know, if you think of those blowy, inflated.
1: Like car lots. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's like I had I didn't have the air inside of me that I needed to have. So I could really be full and take up the space mm-hmm. that I'm meant to take up. So my relationship to myself became, I realized, the thing that I needed to be able to count on. And um, whereas some people... Don't trust other people at all and only rely on themselves and they refuse to be vulnerable. It's all I can only trust me. I was kind of the opposite. I like trusted everybody. Me too. Without a lot of discernment. Mm-hmm. And I did not trust myself. And as you and I were talking about privately earlier, it's, you know, I had a lifetime of proving to myself that I could not trust myself because I was willing at any moment, at the drop of a hat, to throw myself under the, under the bus in order to keep somebody liking me in my life, whatever. Make and yourself
1: smaller, make, make myself your, smaller make, to make yeah. other people feel bigger. Yeah. Or feel Yeah. And so I loved, would kind of yeah.
0: latch on and think, Oh, I need their, their strength. Cause I don't have, I'm, I need them to be, I need to borrow from them. So yeah, I've learned from a lot of teachers the last few years. Um, one of the first pivotal book books for me um, was called awareness by Anthony DeMello and, you know, books, that teachers, they have to reach you at the right time, meet you at the mm-hmm. right time. So it's not for everybody, but um, Byron Katie has been huge. Um, you and think- sometimes you
1: you buy those books impulse buy, cause uh-huh. somebody requires reco- and you, they sit on your shelf for a couple of years and then you randomly pull it off and you're just like, oh my gosh, like, I think if I would have read this two years ago, it would have done nothing for me, but I'm reading this on the exact day that I'm supposed to be reading it. Yes,
0: totally. Yeah. Henry Nowen's book, Inner Voice of Love, uh, was loaned to me by my friend, Greg LaFollette. And it, I, it was like everything to me for a few months because he had written it to himself when he was in depression. And it's just like short little pages mm. speaking to himself with love. And that helped me to see again, how important it is that I start showing up for me. And um, like, so a a huge moment for me was New Year's Day, 2019. Uh, You and Suzanne were very familiar with, well, you you were struggling with depression. I was struggling with depression. Mm -hmm. I was sending you Marco Polos all the time, (laughs) sobbing. I don't want to do this anymore. And, um, but you know, on New Year's Day, 2019, spent the whole day in my dad's office by myself deciding how I was going to live that next year. And people, you know, we often choose a word for the year. And I was like, gosh, darn it. My word for this year is Krista. This is going to be the first year in my life that I do not live like in response and reaction to somebody else. But I'm going to do what Krista needs me to do, which is I'm going to go ahead and put these things on my calendar. I'm going to go, you know, Invest in my own development. I took a poetry workshop. I wrote poems. I went to this music festival. I reached out to people I wanted to write with, you know, just different things. And that year was the beginning of, well, I mean, i had already been transforming, but it was a very important moment in my relationship with myself. And that's the year I started doing um, regular daily, um, like pretty much every day I'd meditate for about an hour. But I midway through the year, or late in the year, started incorporating some of these self-hypnosis methods that help you reprogram Mm -hmm. uh, some of your blocks and limiting beliefs. And gosh, from there, it was just
1: though that's not for the faint of heart either because you have to really be ready to hear some stuff and because yes. our brains are so incredibly smart and so incredibly powerful and can hide stuff that from itself it, it has a junk folder that it throws things in um so we don't have to deal with it right away or maybe ever yeah. and and if you forget it's there and you start digging through it in all these ways there are there are ways to get in that folder and it it it's amazing and empowering but it can be incredibly difficult for sure yes
0: you're not wrong it's a lot it's a lot and you know i think we change though we're willing to change or transform when we get sick enough of being sick you Mm -hmm. know i i was like okay and this is also a gift of getting older is you just start realizing how precious the time is and like okay, I have this one, you know, as Mary Oliver oft quoted, wild and precious life. And how do I want to be? How do I want to be in this life? And I don't mean what do I want to do and accomplish and blah, 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 just like, how do I want to experience this life? And when you get to the point where you're like, I'm so freaking sick of being in a cage of my own making. And I'm not going to do it anymore. And I'm going to do whatever it takes. And I will. Yeah. I'll do the scary. I'll look in that scary folder. <laughs> I'll see what I have. Yeah.
1: Seen. Sometimes the, the fear of the unknown will keep us doing something that we, we aren't stoked about living a life that we're like, this is complacent, but you know, it's better than whatever is behind the mystery door. Yeah. And then, but sometimes you have to get to that crossroads where you're like, I'll take whatever is in that mystery door. <laughs> Even if it's a lot of hard things to look at and a lot of hard road ahead, I'd rather have that than the constant self abandoning or the constant just like needing and seeking other uh, approval from others and getting disappointed and, you know, all that. You, you, everybody has to eventually get to that point before yes. they really, like, whatever the mystery is, give it to me because it's got to be better than this suffering that I'm feeling right now. And oh, yes. Yeah, and what a powerful moment.
0: It is so powerful. And I can honestly say I feel so safe with myself now. Compared uh, more secure in the world than I ever did in my whole life. After a childhood of moving so much and always being the new girl, and then just myself abandoning within my family, all the things. Um, I didn't ever feel like entitled to be anywhere. I always felt like I'm a lesser species. I don't mm-hmm. really belong. Everybody else belongs, but me. And I don't now. I feel like I just belong with myself, which I is a phrase I heard Maya. Um, angelo say one time she said maya belongs to to maya Mm -hmm. and and i and when i was able to embrace that and say krista belongs to krista now i can freaking go anywhere because i've Mm -hmm. got me i've got me i don't you know you nobody in the room has to think i'm anything and it doesn't mean Mm -hmm. i'm impervious to hurt or anything but it means in general i've got my back
1: yeah your sense of worth changes because you're not it doesn't mean that you don't have moments of, of feeling insecure or feeling mm-hmm. jealous or feeling right. imposter syndrome, but it just means at the end of the day, the core, your base level is fine. You know, yeah. you're fine. You don't yeah. need to do anything else to other than be to be good. Yeah. And that's what I'm talking about.
0: Yeah. You know how to get back up too. Like you're, you get back up a little faster. Like instead of spending a whole day in bed, curled up in fetal position, maybe it just takes a few minutes.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Just maybe the morning. Maybe the morning. Um, Can you, for people who are listening to this, uh, who are maybe resonating with yours, with your story, especially this chapter of it, can you give a couple quick hits of ways to like first steps in having this whole relationship with yourself like what what, you talked about meditating a little bit um what what are some things that people can do to take those first steps and because it sounds so silly like have a relationship with yourself I always have a relationship (laughs) with myself but but maybe you know what were some of the first steps that you took to really be honest with yourself and give yourself what you needed
0: um yeah I, I obviously there's not necessarily a an ordered path that works the same for everybody but some of the elements that have been really powerful for me one is um to to push through the discomfort of solitude is enormously valuable um I like solitude but a lot of people don't and so just that step alone can be really revolutionary for people to spend if you don't like to be alone at all take, start carving out an hour a day or whatever it is, that's a little bit of a stretch for you to be with yourself without the TV, the, you know, without Netflix, without podcasts, whatever, just to be in silence, take a walk in nature, Um Basically, it's like doing what you would want your lover to do with you. You know, you would want somebody mm-hmm. to want to hang out with you to think you're a good hang. So hang out with yourself. And and I think um, a, a really great tool is to free write. And I don't do this every single day, but Um, I do it a lot of days where I just try to, this is a Julia Cameron, the artist's way Mm -hmm. thing. She talks about morning pages. So I'll write like three pages and it is crazy what will come up out of your subconscious that you didn't even know was there. And that's Mm -hmm. really just you getting to know you. And I think
1: I I do that amazing. every single day. You and do? I, I I haven't missed a day in maybe four months at this point. And uh, I'm getting to the point where almost every single time I sit down and, and free write, I learn something new about myself, like revelatory things, like yes. huge things. Yeah. Isn't that it's amazing. amazing? It's changed it's
0: changed my life. Yeah. It is amazing. It's I just I and I just ask
1: myself, the prompt isn't is nothing because you're supposed to free write. So yeah. I just ask myself, what do I want myself to know right now? Uh-huh. And it's not coming from anybody but me. And just yeah. so I kind of pep talk myself, or I just tell myself how great I am, and remind myself of all the things I've already done, um, and all the things that I don't even need to do because I'm good. Yeah. And it, it's crazy how how something you feel really silly doing at the beginning can really change your your life. I mean, it has mine anyway.
0: Absolutely. And another thing that I I really believe is that everybody has creativity in them. Like you, there, everybody. There's something that everybody can find to make. And Mm. for some people it's making their house orderly or, you know, or some people it's making spreadsheets for some. And I feel like one of the best antidotes to despair is to create. I mean, it's the opposite. It's generative instead of destructive. Right. So Mm. I feel like that is one of the best things you can do is go, what can I make right now? Because as soon as you start making something, you're tapping into your own power.
1: Creating is huge and it doesn't have to be anything that you post anywhere I, th- I think i think we we have this one two impulse right now like if i create something or do something cool i have to post about it and sometimes some stuff you just want to have for you and i encourage people to just do things that are for them and yeah. n- for nobody else because you green light things inside of yourself where you're like no that's just for you we're not doing this in any kind of performative way for anybody else um if you want to show your friend or if they ask what you did today that's fine but some stuff is just for you and and that's okay i think I think we get lost so easily in this, this world, especially now that everybody has a camera. We have, as soon as the, the, the frontward facing camera was invented, I feel like a lot of us were in trouble because we start, we start thinking that we have to use it just because it's there.
0: Oh, I will say one more thing that I think I, I actually was just talking about on Instagram is, is start observing yourself. Like you're a third person, like a Mm. a third party um in your relationships in your work just really start noticing the things that you have been doing with no awareness for all your you know all your life things you just do by rote i always respond in this way when these things happen i always fix problems in this way this is how i handle myself when i'm alone just start simply noticing and even just this morning when i had to make this decision of how to handle something I first went and I like made this outline of how of similar situations in my life over the last 20 years I just kind of like bullet pointed them. And just in that simple 10-minute exercise I was able to spot patterns that I mm-hmm. somehow with all the reflection I've done I had not been fully aware of these patterns and I went Oh, okay. I see what you were looking for in every single one of these situations. And I see how you carried yourself in the same way every single time. You know, responded self-abandoned in this way. Mm -hmm. And just that noticing was enough to help me direct a new course for myself this time and go, I'm not gonna fall in that same pit pit hole. What is it? Pothole. Yeah. Pitfall pothole. Not gonna do it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) you can constantly be this anthropologist all day long with yourself and be like oh interesting isn't isn't interesting Uh the way the way nick like treats you know the the threat of an argument like this like this is what he does right before he gets defensive or like this is what he does right when he gets hungry he's allowing all these you know these things to go on like viewing it that way really it, it gives you an outside perspective while still being inside you and uh, a lot of times a couple couples counseling, like they, I don't even know how you would do this because I would never think to turn on my camera when I'm about to have an argument with a loved one, but they they tell you to record your arguments so you can see how you argue. And it, you know, it changes the way that you react and you act in certain things. You're like, man, I didn't even realize I was doing that because you're so blind with rage sometimes that you aren't being listened to. I'm not yelling. Yeah. (laughs) Stop raising your voice. I'm not raising my voice. You're like, whoa, (laughs) why does your voice keep going up when you say that? What do do you mean? I don't know. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about where you are now and like why you wanted to start this podcast. I guess I'll start with that. Why start this podcast and why do you want to have these conversations?
0: I wanted to start this podcast and have this, th- these conversations because I recognize that we all have this in common. I really agree with Joseph Campbell. When I heard it, I, I agreed with him. I was like, that is so true. I have thought, like so many of us, that we are all desperate to know what life means, but I don't believe that anymore. I think what we are really at our core craving is to experience being alive while we are alive because it is not it is sadly not uncommon to be surrounded by the walking dead you know I mean that's what we want and so I would and if that's our desire I have to believe that's because it's supposed to be that way because we are actually meant to experience aliveness while we are alive and I don't know that, I think a lot of people aren't aware that they're not already experiencing it. And I think that is, again, a gift of suffering is it sh- shakes and rattles things enough that you wake up and you go, oh, I've been asleep to a lot. And what do I want to, now that I've been hijacked here, Now, what do I want to experience differently? Mm-hmm. So I just want to have conversations that invite people to explore the many different modalities and paths and practices that might serve them in their quest for, for life.
1: Yeah. Well, what does it, what what does it mean? Can you put it in any certain terms, like what it means to you to be alive? You know, we say that and we're like, yeah, I'm alive. It's the same as having a relationship with yourself. You're like, yeah, well, of course I do. I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm alive. Clearly. (laughs) But what, but what does it mean to you? when you say that, to be alive?
0: I think to um, experience with some immediacy all that it is to be human, like to, to have my senses, the switches to my senses switched on. You know, like it's in the on position. Um, the lights are on, I'm seeing what is real, what is really here. Um, I also view myself as having creative power to mm-hmm. see what's not yet real, but make it real. Um To feel all the things that are, that it's like for, if you have a car and you never let it, you never open the back doors, you never look inside the trunk, you never drive it at all the different speeds it can drive. Like it's, it's kind of, it's not experiencing itself in its fullest capacity. And so for as long as I can remember, I've had so much fear in me, but I've also wanted like to turn to make sure before I die that every stone has been turned that I know that I can find to turn Mm -hmm. that I've pushed myself to the max and not in terms of, you know, commercial, whatever uh, superficial success, but experientially, like what is a human able to feel and experience and, and that does include sorrow. It includes joy. It includes laughter. It includes love. It includes solitude. It, it, it includes all these things. And I'm wanting to practice the courage to allow all of it.
1: When do you feel most alive?
0: Um, I feel most alive when I'm creating something like just making something up. I love it. Love making things up. And I love, and I feel very alive when I'm fully in my body, you know, like mm-hmm. at our dance parties, I'm just, yeah, in- I'm so, my body and my spirit feel so connected in mm-hmm. those moments. And I think that's aliveness for me um, when I'm in nature. For sure. That wakes me up to how, how, Grand, this whole universe is, and how connected we are. And then I think when I'm laughing hard or crying hard, anything that's not because, and then this might be particular to me as a nine, as a, you know, we seek equilibrium. And so when I'm pushed out of that and I find myself like peeing with laughter or crying until I'm groaning and wailing, you know, which I've only had a few times in my life, I feel very like human and very mm-hmm. fully alive and awake.
1: All of those things you mentioned are, are reactive there. Um, you have no control over them. Mm. They're, I don't know if you know, but like, they're all things that are, that just happen laughing at something or dancing. You, you can learn dances for sure, but to really, truly dance, you just have to feel it. And your body just, almost doesn't even check in with your brain, what you're going to do next. You're just like moving your body and to the rhythm that you've close your eyes and just feel it. And then being in nature, I mean, we are nature. So why wouldn't you, you, I tell people all the time, a huge lesson that I've learned is, especially in winter, people, you know, feel seasonal depression or they're beating themselves up to do more, be more productive in winter. And I'm like, we, everything shuts down in winter, but us, why do we feel this pressure to just be go, 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 go all the time when part of us is saying, Hey, maybe let's, let's, power down and just be why are are you worried so much about pressuring yourself and that
0: is so so, good
1: when we walk around in nature like I that's I think that's what lights people up so often is that we are almost returning to what kind of brought us here like we are nature we forget that we it isn't this thing that was put out there for us to enjoy it was put out for us to be a part of
0: I love that And I love too, how you pointed out that those things are things that where you're kind of surrendering yourself to, to the moment to, Mm -hmm. but then when I'm, when you're creating, you're engaging your agency, your power. And so maybe that's part of what it really boils down to for me is that balance of going with the flow and like letting myself be part of things Mm -hmm. that without trying to manage all the time. Yeah. And then the, and also recognizing there are things that I have I have generative power and that also is part of being part of nature because nature has generative power, Mm
1: -hmm. right?
0: We're creating life.
1: Well, even creating things like you're not, it's part math, it's part math problem and part impulse. So when you're creating, if you watch a kid paint, they're like, why'd you decide to put the brush over there? And they're like, I don't know. I just did. I just, I felt it wanted to go over there and I went over there. It's not a, it's not a cognitive decision as much as it's just an, a feeling. I felt like doing this. I felt like putting my hands on the piano here and moving here felt all this felt right. And this felt like me. And so I did it. And and all those activities that you, that you just mentioned, it's almost like, as soon as we learn that life isn't happening to us and it's happening for us, Mm -hmm. We can really shift into that aliveness and just like, oh, I get to be a part of this amazing organism that is life on this planet. And man, what an absolutely incredible gift.
0: Yes, I love everything you just said. <laughs>
1: I'll make you a t-shirt for you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> well, let me ask you this. What practices, I mean, we talked a little bit about it, but are are crucial to this sense of aliveness?
0: Mm-hmm. I'm really, really disciplined uh, about not very much in life, but I am very disciplined about the way I start my days. And um, it just, it changes everything. If I start the day doing the things that bring me set into a centered place. So um, I almost never miss meditating in the morning. If I'm in, for some reason, something's going on and I have to keep it real short, then it'll Mm -hmm. be short. But I'll, I'll make that happen. And I almost always now exercise right after that. Um, for me personally, I just have realized I'm so much calmer the rest of the day. And that's been a recent addition. I will say I used to not exercise intentionally at all for most of my life. And then I would kind of throw it in towards the end of the day, put it off. And now I kind of treasure it. It's usually yoga and weights, but um. Those things and journaling and especially anytime I'm feeling triggered, um, you know, something is off within me, I immediately pull out a notebook and just start writing. Write, right, right, right and get it. And yeah. even if I don't know what's gonna come out, like you were saying, just let it yeah. come. And that does and then and then community is just priceless. And I am so, so lucky because I just have the most beautiful souls all around me. And I feel you really do. Yeah. I really do. And I feel like um I I frequently say to myself, I am so in love. I am in love. I am in love. And I'm not saying that like to conjure a romantic relationship. I mean mm. I am living in capital L love, like the ocean. Mm. That's where I am. That's where I live. It's I'm in love and I feel in love with The world. I feel in love with God. I feel in love with myself. I feel in love with life itself. Not, and that's, and I, that sounds, that can sound really Pollyanna ish, but I'm saying that even on the days when I'm, it's not all rainbows and unicorns. You know, I have really some hard things dealing to deal with every week. And still, I feel like I am in love, Mm -hmm. even when I'm not feeling happy. It sounds so hippy dippy, but I believe in love. I believe this is the one thing that I believe is uh, real. I believe it heals. Mm-hmm. It heals us. I believe it is what is most needed, and in wherever there is great suffering, poverty, violence, I really believe that everything motivated by love and brought from love and born from love is what is most needed. It needed mm-hmm. and. Not everybody sees the world that way, but I kind of Marianne Williamson is um, someone who has spoken a lot about that and it makes sense to me. She actually says everything else is like mass hallucination, <laughs> fear. Yeah, the world it's kind of an interesting thought, but cynicism is not going to make our world better. Mm-hmm. So I may err sometimes on the side of you know idealism, but but I really do think at at its core, it's
1: the truth. I have so much to say about this, Mm. mostly, and I won't get into it all now, but like, I am such a big believer that it actually takes more strength and more work to choose optimism and to choose love and positivity than it does, I think it's so much easier to choose sadness and anger it feels because it's a surrender it's so like i'm not doing this anymore or apathy mm. or whatever it might be it's so much easier just to give in you can bond with somebody in a second by saying man this weather's terrible isn't it right. yes this is terrible like other it, it it's harder to be uh positive in your expressions because somebody might come in to say like, I love Thursdays. Like you might say that to a stranger and they'll be like, Thursdays are the worst day. (laughs) And then you're open to vulnerability. The thing that you just Mm -hmm. said you, you loved. And you said that in vulnerability, you're opening yourself up for attack. But if you're secure in your love for Thursdays, they can't take that away. You can hear hear that and be like, Oh man, I hope one day you have the love that I have for Thursdays because I find them to be pretty special. And, and people don't know, especially people who are sort of curmudgeon, don't know what to do with that. Um, and, and it can make somebody be like, Oh, that's, I was just wished a good day. Like, I don't, there's no way to be mad at that. Uh, <laughs> not really. You can be like, you know, this Pollyanna idiot right. over here walking around, like, you know, like he's in love with the sun and maybe I am, but I, I think it's, it's not rooted. Optimism isn't rooted in, um, isn't rooted in, in naivete as it's often, uh, I think, poorly, whatever, like advertised or whatever the word I'm thinking of, uh, I can't think of. But I I think it really does take bravery to to be like, you know what, like, there's enough to look around the world and be like, well, this is pointless. What are we doing here Mm -hmm. to actually look harder and find the things that are worth getting up in the morning and doing things for and finding your worth and your passion and your truth like that, that takes actual strength. So, especially if you're going through depression or all the things, you know, we're in a pandemic or whatever it might be to still get up and be like, you know what I'm still going to do today, yes. even though it's hard. Like that's strength.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, and I, I love Seth Godin. And one of the things that I've shared mm-hmm. a number of times that he said in a blog post was that there are two very valid and True lists. There are all the obstacles and the problems, the things that are going wrong. And then there are all the resources and gifts. And both of them are true. And both of them need to be acknowledged but you get to decide which one you're going to put in the in the drawer and look at once a year and or mm-hmm. and which one you're going to put up on the mirror and look at every morning and i that was very helpful for me because honestly i mean i did in the past err on the side of i wouldn't put that one in the drawer i would just not ever write it down or exist or acknowledge that it exists you know the hard mm-hmm. one i would be more likely to just be like no 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 la la you know and now i do feel like i my optimism is not about burning shredding or denying the re the harder realities people are in pain there are a lot of things that are problems right now mm-hmm. i just don't think that we get very far solving those things if we focus on that list all the time i just happen to think it's not even it's 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 like not pragmatic i think it's if we want to be practical pragmatic being beings then we will actually learn to value how much where we're directing our energy um you know, the, yeah, what do they 100%. say? They, whatever, what you appreciate appreciates or whatever, you know, you, where you put, put your attention, you're going to mm. find and create more of that. So I want to make the world as beautiful as possible. I want more people to experience joy and freedom. And so I feel like it's very, the best, the the most loving and powerful thing I can do is spend more of my energy focusing on what's beautiful and free and
1: all the teachers I look to from Ram Dass to Maya Angelou to to like Brene Brown, all these people, they seem completely like they're not scared of the darkness, but they are joyful. Oh, yeah. And I was like, these are the wisest people I know. These people have like been in the darkness and through it and aren't scared of it anymore. And those are the people, The if the wisest people I know have giant smiles on their faces, not because they're trying to sell you happiness, but because they know something that you mm. don't and like, they they want to give it to you then why wouldn't i also emulate that and be like you know what maybe they're you know i don't have to be this like pessimistic curmudgeon which i don't do that well anyway anytime i try to play that game i instantly go devil's advocate i'm like i'm it's fine guys it's not that bad it's really (laughs) not that bad Um, i'm being dramatic now um when you see people that are enlightened and have done the work and have been through the stuff like they're usually like oh man like there is joy and there is darkness and sometimes they exist in the same space. And those are the people I want to ask 1000 questions to, you know?
0: No, I absolutely agree. Somebody just said recently, I was talking about business coaching and she's like, don't, if you're trying to make more money, don't like take advice from poor suffering people, <laughs> Like, you know? And so it's interesting yes. how if we're wanting joy and freedom, why, why would we be like learn, Studying cynics, you know we need to be looking at people who no are joke somehow finding something that I think
1: awesome. that appeals to us when we're younger because we we're we're in the process when we're teenagers and when we're in our twenties of rejecting like whatever version of life we were handed to us mm-hmm. um so it's, it's it's i think it's okay to go through modes of yeah. like man I'm, I'm a rebel against this i'm gonna paint my uh you know nails this color and i'm gonna listen to this type of music all the time louder than i'm supposed to like it's important to go through those phases and every once in a while even as an enlightened or a, a human on the way to a path of enlightenment, like I'm hoping to be, sometimes I still like to do that. You know, there's little, there's little rebellions that feel pretty good that don't hurt anybody in the process. Um, (laughs) But I feel like that's important too. I, I, I I don't want to, I want to green light people's process and whatever that might be um, to get, to get to wherever they're going. I don't feel like there's any, there's no one way to get to where you're going. Everybody has to figure out their own thing in their own time.
0: Totally. You have to kind of follow the next stepping stone that's that you find in front of you yeah you know there's we have some power over that and and then in other ways we don't It just the way appears and you take the next step
1: Mm -hmm. well as we wrap up here let me ask you where you are today in this in this moment in time where are you with yourself where are you in your journey how do you how do you look back and reflect on these losses that you felt and and you've turned them into these lessons that you've learned a lot of things you've turned into song. Like you, you really have, it hasn't had an amazing few years that I think you'll reflect on for the rest of your life is this like, you know, like tent pole of holy Mm -hmm. crap, look what Krista did (laughs) look what Krista went through. So how do you view it? Where are you? Answer that in any way you want to.
0: Yeah. Basically I'm experiencing a lot of joy and freedom, you know, more than ever in my life. And I still feel like I've, I'm expanding and I've got so much expansion to do yet. And that, um, it seems strange to say when you're not 20 anymore, but I I definitely feel like I'm in some ways only at the beginning, you know, both as a human being and as a musician, you know, I still feel like I'm finding my voice, you know, I'm the next time I go into the studio I'm like what do I want it to sound like because I don't think I've found it yet like I Mm -hmm. I'm getting closer but there's just and that's a really for me it feels like a great way to live I always want to be a student because that means there's more coming yeah And and I think the joy of life is usually in the process it's the journey. It's not arriving somewhere. I think, um, Julia Cameron said in her book, it's always more fun to say, I'm writing a screenplay than to say, I wrote a screenplay, like to be doing something. Mm -hmm. So I feel Mm -hmm. like I'm growing and learning and so grateful. So grateful.
1: I'm, I'm going to be 40 next year. And like when I was a kid, 40 was kind of like, well, he's locked in this person is going to be this way forever. And I feel like I'm just locked out of step for the first time mm. and I'm figuring out my own self. And I'm so stoked that, you know, knock on wood, God willing, like I, the what the next 40 years is going to give me. Yeah. And it's going to be the most Nick, the most me 40 years that could possibly be. And that excites me, you know, to, to know that, like, oh, we're just getting started here.
0: Yes. Like, yes. you know,
1: I, I I lived life this other way and it was fine and it wasn't all bad, but there was a lot of things that I would do differently if I would do it again. And in some ways I don't really live in regret. So I'm like, no, I'm glad that I got to live them and these gifts that I've learned to this point. And I see that in you too, like yeah. where, you, and now we're like, oh, great. Like, let's get going. I'm so excited to discover whatever I'm going to discover.
0: Yeah. Next. Getting to the real stuff of it, mm-hmm. you know? And then bringing other people along, like
1: like this podcast is so Mm -hmm. wonderful because you get to bring other people along who might not be, who might be further along on the journey. It might be, you know, early in the journey, but it's so nice to check in from time to time and, and be encouraged and, and be like, oh, that's one way it can be interesting. I feel like it's so important for everybody to tell each other their stories so they can know Mm -hmm. that there are different ways to do things and there's, there's no wrong or right. It's just specific to that person. Exactly. It's so wonderful.
0: Exactly. Hey, thank you so much for doing this with me. And um, You're so welcome. the listeners aren't aware until now that this is the second time you've done this with me because <laughs> mm-hmm. my audio settings were not quite right last time. So thank you so and, much.
1: And the probably the one thousandth time we've had a conversation I know. like this, like a deep conversation like I this. Know. But- yeah. No, I, I would, even if you were like, Hey, we didn't, this one didn't record. I've got to do it again. I love having these conversations with you. So anytime. Yeah. I'm honored that you asked me truly well,
0: pretty soon in the next couple of weeks, we'll get you on. Cause I want you to share more of your journey and story and how you are now adding mm-hmm. on to your long list of things you do from yeah, performing songwriter podcaster to now, um, uh, coach now, coach. It's a self development coach mm-hmm. that you are, and um, that was a weird way to say that. It's a self development coach that you well, are. Well, it
1: used to be known as life coaching <laughs> I was and not sort to of say it more. I know because life coaching has a little bit of a stigma attached to it, but I've become a certified self development coach in the last and uh, during the pandemic, the last six to eight months. So, yeah, I mean, and honestly, like, there's just things that I have always done and come naturally to me that I'm just putting a finer point on, mm. um, which I encourage people to do all the time like what are you already doing that brings you joy that you can just kind of elevate a little bit and you know take it to the next level yeah
0: love that that's going to go in our conversation for sure mm. coming up all right friend well thank you so much it's always good to talk with you
1: absolutely thanks for having I'm me on
0: afraid of dying but i'm dead set i being alive so give me something to stop my heartbeat